Her words were coming rapidly now, like an undammed stream. All gray he be, like the stone of his house. All gray, eyes and hair and fingernails too. And he has a stone club as big as a tree. And he be big, bigger than you, twice as big. Hair she nodded at Farford. And with his club he kills, kills, kills. But only if you go close. Every day almost I play a game with him. I pretend to be going to cross the magic circle, and he watches from inside the door where I can't see him, and he thinks I'm going to cross, and I dance through the forest all around the house, and he follows me, peering from the little windows, and I get closer and closer to the circle, closer and closer, but I never cross, and he be very angry and gnash his teeth like rocks rubbing rocks so that the house shakes, and I run, run, run away. But you mustn't go inside. Oh, you mustn't. She paused, as if startled by her own daring. Her eyes were fixed anxiously on Fafford. She seemed drawn toward him. The northerner's reply carried no overtone of patronizing laughter. But you've never actually seen the great giant, have you? Oh no, he be too cunning. But I say to myself, he must be there inside. I know he be inside. And that's the same thing, isn't it? Grandfather knows about him. We used to talk about him when I was little. Grandfather calls him the beast. But the others laugh at me, so I don't tell. Here was another astounding peasant paradox, thought the mouser with an inward grin. Imagination was such a rare commodity with them that this girl unhesitatingly took it for reality. Don't worry about us, girl. We'll be on the watch for your great giant. He started to say, but he had less success than Fafford in keeping his voice completely natural, or else the cadence of his words didn't chime so well with the forest setting. The girl uttered one more warning. Don't go inside, oh please, and turned and darted away. The two adventurers looked at each other and smiled. Somehow the unexpected fairy tale, with its conventional ogre and its charmingly naive narrator, added to the delight of the dewy morning. Without a comment, they resumed their soft-stepping progress. And it was well that they went quietly, for when they had gotten within a stone's throw of the clearing, they heard low voices that seemed to be in grumbling argument. Immediately they cached the pick and pry bar and mallet under a clump of bushes and stole forward, taking advantage of the natural cover and watching where they planted their feet. On the edge of the clearing stood half a dozen stocky men in black chainmail shirts, bows on their backs, short swords at their sides. They were immediately recognizable as the rogues who had laid the ambuscade.